And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. Do you feel summery yet? Do you feel ready for summer? Are you ready to just rip off that polo you're wearing and get your swimsuit on and go to the pool? Sure. Let's go with sure. Durangan Canyon Matthews at the DC Matthews. Let's go with sure. I, I think it's always funny that, you know, you you are approaching your summer break and you just sort of naturally project your your thoughts of summer onto the world as though everyone shares your schedule and things like that. Every year you do this. You do well, the countdown, you get you see you getting excited, you just sort of start start glowing and, and, and sort of collapsing in on yourself as you get ready to just explode in joy as the summer months roll around. Well, to be fair, uh, I've never known anything else. I went from being in school and having summers off and going to camp and all of that type of thing to, you know, being in college and same thing. And then I immediately started teaching. So I, I would not know what a summer was were it not for some extra time off and being out in the sun. And what does summer mean for you? Enlighten me. With your with your drink and your food that we will get to in due time, I'm sure. Uh, you know how how does the how does the person who works twelve months a year and makes you know a decent wage how how do you uh, view the summer? Um, summer is the point in time where it's hotter out and there are more bugs and. I spend a higher proportion of my time with my pants being sweaty. Are you allowed to wear shorts to the office? Not really. To the office, yes. To the lab, no. So if you're going to be in the lab, no. So not really. Well, how, how often are you at work but not in the lab? Almost never. Okay. I could go so many different places with this. Let's stick with summer for now. Um, I'm just so saying summer, summer doesn't really mean anything. It's summer just... is just an inconvenience to you. Yeah. If you could pick. Give me spring. One, give me fall. If you could pick one month. October. And freeze that weather. Not because of the Halloween and not because of pumpkin season. I'm just talking weather related. If you could freeze one month of a year, and let's assume it's a regular year, not these weird years we've been having where we go from winter to summer with no spring. Probably like a May. Okay. That's where I thought you would go. I figured May or September. I want it to be warmer than and and less rainy than April. Yep. But I don't want June weather. So are you right? I think for me, my pocket, my perfect pocket is 68 to 72 degrees. Any warmer than that, and it starts to get a little uncomfortable. I can deal with colder than that, but. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Apparently, we need to go to San Diego. Pass. Have you ever been? 
Yeah, I've been to San Diego. Okay. It's nice. It's sunny. There's not a lot of humidity. Um, but, you know, forest fires and scarcity of water. Uh, I think I'll just stick where I am. Thank you. Is there a state, is there an ideal state you would move to if you could? No. I hate everywhere pretty much equally. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> At Doc Manson. I hate every, but then in parentheses it says, uh, where, thing, one. <laughs> you could, you could <laughs> rotate these through. Uh, how's, how's life? How's work? Busy. Keep it busy. Still in the middle of that course that I'm doing. Yep. So the are slog the, is the slog. Are the lectures still going well? You're still enjoying it? Yeah, they're going well, but I'm ready for it to be over. I'm not have you halfway had a, done. You, you must have had a second exam already, like a midterm, right? Yeah, had a second exam. Did they improve from their no. previous performance? No. Did no. they go down? Yeah, or is it same. about the same? Okay, well, consistency is not bad. Yeah. No, I'm not worried about it. All right. It's not my grade. I, I just did my report cards, which I imagine look quite different than yours. Um, no doubt. But yeah, I also don't care. I also can look to see how many parents have actually checked. I have two families of the ones that I teach. Two families have looked at the program that can access their report cards in this calendar year. So clearly they don't care. And to be fair, these kids are seven and eight. They shouldn't care. Is they my, should care. Is academically or socially? Because I give grades in both, and I think one's more important than the other. I think both. I, I think both. Um, I don't know. I don't know that you know the academic thing is all that telling, but um, I don't know. I think it can be good. There are certain things. You know, is your child uh, able to uh, read? and comprehend grade level texts that is an that is a standard that i think they should be concerned with um you know basic number and operations math things i said you know, can they fluently add and subtract within 20 you know maybe is important a lot of the stuff doesn't matter um i as a, if i were a parent and i'm not so i can't say this but i think i would be more concerned with do they cooperate do they respect each other you know do they put their best effort into their work those are the i things. mean if it was kindergarten i would agree with you i think those things are important that young mm -hmm. but again not having kids i guess i'm not a good judge but i kind of feel like that kind of stuff should be cemented by the time they're at what point in that you know, while I have met Mama and Papa Manson, I can't say, you know, we're close. At what point did they start caring about academics or were they not the type to care because you already cared so much? They cared, I think, you know, as long as I can remember. I don't know. Okay. They were active. They were at parent-teacher conferences and sure. the like, you know, so... I don't remember that well. I was young, <laughs> but it seemed like they were there engaged and doing stuff, you know, encouraging me to do my homework and making mm -hmm. sure I was on top of it. 
even from an early age. I don't know. Were you a, were you a studious person in an early age? What are you drinking? I got to know because you got a metal straw on top of it. Oh, it's just an iced coffee. Oh, okay. That I made here at home. Fancy. Yeah. And what, what were you eating? I thought it looked like some sort of dessert. Was it cake? It looked a little bit like cake. Yeah, it was an almond cake with um, some raspberry and buttercream frosting. Homemade or did you get it from out? Um, Homemade-ish. Okay. I don't know exactly where the cake came from, but I think it was homemade. Okay. Mrs. Manson, especially now, probably. Let's 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 leave the studious young Doc Manson. Let's jump to the modern era. How many hours a day are you in that room? Working working on lectures and and all of that. Do you do that there or do you do that downstairs? I do it here. Um probably like 3 hours a day. So I get home from work, you know, five-ish, spend uh, 45 minutes or so doing stuff for dinner, yeah. um, conversating. And then by six o'clock, I'm probably up here until about nine o'clock, I'd say every night. Yeah. And then we're going to bed. Maybe so, I go downstairs for a half hour and we sit on the couch and talk and mm-hmm. whatever. So Mrs. Manson practically has the house to herself. So you wouldn't know if the cake was store-bought or homemade because she's doing all sorts of stuff down there. You have nary a clue what's happening. Well, that, and I mean, you know, I do go to work five days a week. She uh, works from home three True. days a week. True. So I also don't really know what she's up to when I'm at work. <laughs> so I feel like know. some. I feel like once a month, we just need to have her like sitting on the podcast for just 15 minutes or so. So we can ask some of these Pressing questions, you know, the pressing, yeah, the besties right. are very interested in the life of Mrs. Manson. Who must, who must this woman be to, to be to able to keep this bullshit. to be able to heap enough praise onto Doc Manson to have earned his love and affection. Mm-hmm. What sort of, what sort of champion is she? But lectures are good. Midterms are good. So I'm assuming what, two more weeks, then you're done. No, uh, four more weeks. It's a what eight week class? Six. Okay. I've only got two done. I just started the third week. Got it. Okay. So, That's I mean, true. we're halfway it's a done. It's after a Wednesday. this week. Got it. All right. So you're about halfway. Yeah. <coughs> halfway done. And then what happens? After Not even then? halfway done. And I'm ready for it to be over. I, you know. So right. how often does it meet every day? Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Why not Tuesday? Because. They only meet four days a week. Interesting. I always find that kind of like, all right. And for how long? Hour and a half. So you're preparing six hours of original lecture material a week. Correct. Um, so, you know, in the normal period, you do three hours a week. Nine, sure. still not even three hours. It's 50 minutes times three. So you'd be doing two hours and two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Right. Um, so. And you do 14 weeks of that in the normal semester. Yeah. So this is six weeks of six hours. And I, you know, I'm not going to do the math out, but um, well, that's two, 36 hours. Two right, and a half. Obviously. Yeah. No, but what's two and a half? You're in the ballpark. 14? You're in the ballpark. Two and a yeah, half so, times 14 would be 28. Yeah. 35. Yeah. So that's why I think they do that to try to make it as close to the number of in, you know, classroom hours as you would have during a normal semester. Mm hmm. By the end of that 90 minutes, are you wiped? Um, not really. No. No, not really. Do you have office hours? 
I do, but not like anything official. Um, like, well, by appointment is what I mean. I don't okay. have like a set hour come by the office because during the summer, I, I just feel like that doesn't make any sense. They're only on campus for lecture. They're only on campus for lab. Sure. So if they, I mean, so while I could set hours around those times, I'd rather just be like, listen, you want to meet with me when you're on campus? Just let me know. Or if you'd rather would do video, let me know when you're free. That's basically what it is. I would have be happy to, to meet, meet at any time. Have you had to meet with anyone in these three weeks yet? No, nobody's asked really. Okay. I've had a couple of people who stay after lecture to ask some questions, like clarifying questions. Um, so I was there maybe an extra 20 minutes after the lecture today covering some of those questions and maybe maybe 10 minutes last week one day. So, you know, nothing huge. But Do you appreciate that or does that annoy you? Oh, I don't care. I'd rather they uh, ask questions if they have them. That's what I'm saying. Like some people might just be against questions at all, but you're welcoming if... You can explain it. I say, hey, Doc, have at it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I get irritated when they say, hey, DC. No, shut your mouth. <laughs> no, nah, I don't care. I mean, it's it's funny because you ask if I'm wiped at the end of the hour and a half. and That's not really the case. Um, don't get me wrong. Like, I dread it, like preparing all that material. And like in the morning when I'm going, like, oh, I got to go and I got to talk for an hour and a half. But honestly, once I get going, the time is just gone. Mm-hmm. Like I look at the clock and suddenly there's only a half an hour left and then it's over. You know, it's yeah. it, it really does just go. Do you have the opposite then? Do you have like the performers high that we would get after like a good improv, you know, performance or something or? No, not anymore. I think that one time doing so- some of these type of things. Yes, I think that was the case. Maybe like early um and like some of the teaching assistant stuff i did or um maybe doing like a presentation for like a seminar or something yeah but at at this point not not really not really it's old hat now yeah it's just routine i guess i don't know that's fair and, yeah and like it's like the other thing is like I, every once in a while i'll get up there and i'll start talking and then i'll suddenly hit a slide and I'm like oh I don't really remember this, but it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, just talk about what you know and move on. Yeah. And it's fine. Nobody knows. Yeah. The one thing, that's it. The one thing, now granted, again, it's a totally different set of circumstances, teaching littles as opposed to teaching. um, It's not really. The college students are littles just in their own way. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if I get lost or something, I can pretty much count on I'll be able to figure out how to talk about it, and they're not going to be like, well, that, you know, it's that rare. That was an awkward transition. Yes. They're not going to know that I'm not sure what I'm doing and all of that. And sometimes I've I've had lessons that have bombed, and I'm just like, you know what? Stand up. Take your paper. Rip it into pieces, throw it away. Let's move it. Let's do something else. But that's a different set of circumstances. That just comes down to lack of preparedness on my part. But, Mm. Mm. oh, goodness. Well, I am glad things are going as well as they can. I'm glad it's almost over because then, of course, you'll be prepping for the next wave. Almost over. Because, hey, you see the glass as almost half 
done. I see the glasses already half done. And by and to be fair, and one of us is right and one of us is wrong. To be fair, by the time <laughs> the besties hear this, I'll be right. Not necessarily. If they're hearing it in the morning on Fridays, I may not have lectured yet, which is still less than half. Oh, all right. But it'll be closer to being right. It will be closer to you being not wrong. That, yes. That's I, but you will still be wrong. I almost counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and me being right. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody um, who listens to it on Saturday forward, I suppose. There you well, go. They've got my number. There you go. People are busy. Brandon Banks is on a week-long fishing trip. Jeremy's, you know, learning all of this training and getting himself edumacated. God knows what GQ is doing. I texted with him earlier. Uh, about a window washing opportunity I had heard about. Um, have you heard? I want, I want, you know, I, I told him he needed to get him on the show. Um, have you heard about this issue he has with mice? Has he told you about this? Oh, a little bit. Yeah. 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 I want the full story. Like I, we might need to devote an entire episode to GQ's uh, war against the rodents of the world. Um, it's been a pretty, uh, awkwardly bad wrestling week do you want to dive into any of it or do you want to awkwardly just leave it bad, alone really yeah yeah lay it on me i always love awkward uh well it's it's bad it's you know uh you have jeff hardy getting arrested for uh dui again three times but, I mean, over- but honestly at this point like and this sounds bad but like are you surprised at this point like no no, but it's not Jeff good. Hardy has shown time and time again that this is what he does, yeah. and he has been very obstinate to admitting he has a problem or seeking help from the outside perspective. At least sure. that's the impression, right? Yeah. So, I, dude made his choices, I guess. I don't know. Well, you know, and the issue, of course, you know, you feel bad for his family and He's driving while impaired, which is not good for anyone in his general vicinity. So that's never a good thing. Um, but then, of course, you know, he's arrested. The mug shots out. There's video of him. You know, obviously, it must be a police dash cam or something that's embarrassing. But almost immediately, the story. Did you t- watch any of that? No. Okay. No. But he's talking about. I, no. No. It, I, I've never been a huge Jeff Hardy fan. I did watch his amazing ladder match with uh, Undertaker from 2002 recently. Um, he had an amazing self-performed entrance music in the early days of TNA wrestling. Just, just got to believe in yourself. Just got to believe. Just got to believe. Um, so yeah. So good. But, you know, he's never been the that sort of wrestling style has never been my thing. Um but the, you know, immediately people were like, well, why is AEW not saying anything? Why is AEW not saying anything? Why is AEW not saying anything? Tony Khan needs to get on this. Tony Khan needs to get on this. Is Tony Does Khan going to enable this behavior? I you know, was like, you know what? It just happened. It's on a weekend. Like He was in jail and posted bond. Maybe you want to give him some time to, you know figure the stuff out and and eventually tony khan did post something where he was able to talk to jeff and all of that and they've offered to send him to rehab and he seemed at least open to the idea of going um and then they said he's suspended without pay until he goes like he can't come back until he goes to at least a 30-day rehab treatment 
Oh, interesting. And I'm like, you know what? I, you know, maybe Jeff goes with it. Maybe this is what ha- what he needed. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But hmm. you know, I can't. Right. I, I, you can't fault Tony Khan. Uh, and then today's story, which I, you know, I hesitate to get super into, but it, it's it came out today. We got to mention it. So a week or two ago. Uh, Stephanie McMahon announces she's taking a leave of absence from her role, her creative roles in um, in the company. She's taking a step back. She's taking a leave of absence. Um, it happened somewhat suddenly. People were like, well, you know, we get it. Triple H just had the heart thing. Maybe it's time for the both of them to spend a little bit more time with the family. You don't know what's going on. Okay. Then a week later, we start hearing reports that you know, she didn't take a leave of absence. Essentially, Vince and friends pushed her out the door. They weren't, you know, they weren't progressing enough. Things could be better. They thought they needed maybe some new management. So then, you know, the the talk was that maybe she had essentially been fired, but was allowed to save face by saying she's taking a leave of absence. Well, today, uh, apparently, Vince McMahon paid a former female employee, gave her $3 million. Uh, Allegedly, they had had an affair. And he basically paid her $3 million to keep quiet about it. Uh, WWE's board of directors was inquiring about that. Um, And then, you know, now there's other stories about how... I can't, of course, find it now, but either way. Um, but basically, you know, uh, we, we learned today that Vince McMahon may not necessarily be a great guy. I think we've known this. I mean, so, this is another example, but. Yeah. And I don't need to read. I don't want to quote necessarily. You know, the Wall Street Journal had a whole article about it. Um you know, and now is this, this actual like Wall Street Journal, or is this like an opinion piece? Wall Street Journal, like no, bl- a I blog. This... Well, let's see. Let me go to the Wall Street Journal because I'm only looking at tweets, which I know is not. Yeah, I'm just curious about the source. You know, that's all. Supposed but... to do business here, so let me see if I can find it on. But it's why... not an opinion piece. Why would this cause Stephanie McMahon to leave? Well, so disgusted with her father that that was so now and again this is all twitter speculation now they're like maybe she knew this was coming and she decided to get out of the way before this was dropped out this is a wall street journal news exclusive it is an article not an opinion um i of course can't read the article because i am not a wall street journal member although i know there are websites that you can go to where you can just Type to put the link and it will give you the whole article. I don't remember if I know the. Mm, gotcha, which, gotcha. Which again, yep, there it is. Uh, yeah, apparently you can archive content here, but yep, there's the whole article. Uh, so to sum up, um, she was hired as a paralegal. Uh, she made about $100,000. She then supposedly uh, starts having a relationship with Vince McMahon. Uh, She is then, her salary doubles to $200,000. 
that apparently, according to this email, uh, Mr. McMahon basically gave her, and I'll use the quotes here, quote, gave her like a toy, end quote, uh, to John Laurinaitis. I'm assuming that means that the relationship went from being sexual with Vince to being sexual with uh, the former Johnny Ace. Uh, you know, and then he paid her $3 million to leave and sign an NDA and all of that. Now, again, uh, we knew that Vince McMahon was not necessarily a great guy. Um, you know, Mr. McMahon was such a successful character because it was not a character. It was just a slightly amped up version of the man's personality. Um, but now, you know, people are calling for his resignation and maybe the board will fire him and all of that. And I'm just like, uh, it's just a rough time to be a wrestling fan, I suppose. So, you know, I don't I feel sorry for any fans of wrestling whom I know. As you are no longer one. Not so much. <laughs> Especially not WWE. Hey, I will tell you, you got to turn into tune into Impact. I believe, or is it Impact? I think Impact is bringing back the Reverse Battle Royal on this week's TV. So, if you want to walk down some nostalgia memory lane and enjoy some wrestling, the Reverse Battle Royal is, you know, is something else. Something else, indeed. Uh, so yeah. So those are the stories that are happening now. You know, so obviously things were leaked. Now everyone's like, I hope Triple H leaked it as a way to get back at him from getting phased out after that. Yeah, I don't think I, so. Yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, you know, this is bad and, you know, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But I don't think there's ever a world in which the board's going to fire Vince McMahon, you know. And it just makes you wish they sold the company earlier. If they had sold it a year ago, this wouldn't be as big of a story. But I digress. But everything that happened would have been just as bad. That is true. You make a very so... valid point. That is true. That is true. Uh, yeah. No. Otherwise, not a huge amount going on in the world of wrestling. Paige has been... Uh, or is going to, you know, be finishing up her contract with WWE. So everyone's assuming she'll start wrestling elsewhere. Uh, William Regal has a podcast that I have not I've yet to listen to, but I will at some point once I have a bit more time in the schedule. And that is, uh, that's about it. You are now caught up in the world of wrestling. I'm sure, I'm sure you, you needed to know that information. I feel richer for it, DC. Uh, you want to chat about Markiplier in space? We keep talking about it. We haven't done it yet. You want to ch- you want to chat about it? Sure. Or no? Okay. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Markiplier in space, his YouTube original epic production. I have watched part one at least twice, and I believe I started part two. I'm not sure how far I got into part two. You have seen the entire thing. There's no part three, is there? Is it just two parts? Just the two parts. Uh, what do you want to say about it? Because you were in, you know, you, you did, I seemed like you had some things to say about um, 
kind of the story they were telling and what the message that you took out of it was. So since you listened to me drone on and on about Vince McMahon and his his harem, I, I cede the floor to you, good sir. Oh, I don't think I've got a lot to say about it, but um, I just thought it was an interesting story. And the, and the thing that I, I liked about it, and I guess there'll be some spoilers here. Um, so In Space with Markiplier ostensibly is, is telling this story about this uh, crew, this crew of a uh, space vessel of some sure. sort, right? And they activate this uh, wormhole creating device so they can travel quickly through space. They get caught in sort of a a uh, time-space paradox continuum, right? And as you go through these YouTube videos, which sort of play out as a choose-your-own-adventure, where like you can make a choice and go to another video, which brings you to a, a different path of the story, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, you go through there, you, re- you reach a story's conclusion, you die or something, or something else happens, yeah. and everything resets to the moment where you first woke up after passing through the wormhole, right? And just sort of loops and loops and loops. And the thing that I thought was really interesting about it, because, you know, um, certainly with Marvel uh, these days, the multiverse is this huge sort of idea that is sort of like permeating the mainstream consciousness in a lot of different ways. And the thing that I thought was interesting about is you have this story that's masquerading as a, well, it's not masquerading. It is a choose your own adventure. And, but in doing so, it's sort of masquerading as though, Hey, there's this multiverse. There's sort of unlimited choices. You can make all these different choices and go down these different paths. Uh, And the thing that I thought was interesting about this, especially becomes more clear as you delve into part two, I think, um, I think that's interesting about it is the story it's telling is actually completely linear. Um, so it's this, it's this, it's it's really interesting because again, it, it's this choose it's it's ostensibly it, it's again it's masquerading as this choose your own adventure where it seems like there's this huge multiverse of choices, and yet it is it is funneling you to a single conclusion mm-hmm. in actually a very knowing way. Um, and I just thought that was a real interesting approach to telling a story about a multiverse and about unlimited choices and how like none of that matters ultimately Mm -hmm. in the end. Um, basically only one actual path ahead. I, I just thought that was an interesting juxtaposition, an interesting story to tell within this the context of the of this the scaffolding that makes it seem like it ought to be so much more mm-hmm. and yet it's it's weirdly small despite the grand the grandness of the premise the part that i thought was the most interesting is you get through part 1 and you're making all of these choices and you're doing all of these things and then you get kind of a narrate, you know, Markiplier is doing the narration and there's obviously some sort of like stop, it's not stop motion animation, or maybe it is, but, and you think you're done. You're like, oh, I've made it through till the end. I'm getting a story. So there was one, and again, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. There's one path you can take where you just keep making the Mark character do all of the stuff, go fix this. 
Now go fix this. And it's just increasingly terrible situations that you're just forcing him to do. And then you get what I assumed was an ending in which this just continues to happen. You finally make it to a planet and you make Mark do all the work and you build the civilization where Mark does all the work. And then eventually Mark smothers you in your sleep. Um, And you reset instantly to that point. But that was it. That was it. That was it. I expected it to be very similar to his first one, a heist with Markiplier. It goes back to the beginning, but you're choosing all of these stories. But that's just part one. That's not even the end of the the first section of videos. That's just, you know, you've now lived this entire life, and now you go back to the start. And what's interesting is both of you, in some ways, you're aware of the fact that it keeps resetting. Oh yeah. So you're you're not necessarily starting from ground zero. You're back to the beginning, but both you and the Mark character are aware of the fact that things keep happening over and over again, and that therefore informs uh, and changes some of your decisions. So I did think it was interesting, and Mark being most famous for being a, a video game player, I do liken it to a video game in which in many of these games. There are different choices you can make, and it will tweak your ending, but the ending is still essentially going to be the same. There's just a slight change depending on whether you trended good or trended evil or saved this person or killed that person. Um, You know, it's again, there's many ways to get to the same ending. And so in that sense, it felt very much like a video game, though, to be fair, I haven't finished it yet. So maybe after part two, I'll feel even more differently. Yeah, but yeah, that was the thing. That was really the thing I wanted to talk about. It was just again, it's it's this really grand thing. You sort of feel like it ought to spiral out into a million different endings. But what endings, quote unquote, endings there are, all of them feed back into the loop, except for the the ending. Um, and I, I again for for a story that ostensibly is about unlimited choice as you navigate a multiverse just really interesting that you would choose to tell the story that because it would be really easy, you know, to follow up heist with Markiplier, you know, with all of its countless endings. Yeah. And just try to do tenfold more. That's it. You know what I mean? That was what I expected. I think heist had like 31 endings. So I expected he was going to shoot for 75 or a hundred. Right. So I just just have a hundred little stories. So just again, just to to really kind of go, you make this premise that seems like it's going to butterfly in and out into even more. And yet you've actually made a far more linear story that can only go one way ultimately. And I, I just think that that's a really cool premise that is playing with the, the very like essence of the choose your own adventure medium through which it's being told. Um, so I don't know, just ultimately I found it to be very, very clever in its conception and execution. Mm-hmm. Um, Markiplier will never hear this, but you know, uh, I think I filleted him enough. So, f- but you know, I just I, really, really impressive creative work. I think, I think it's very clever and well put together. It's very thoughtful in a way. How far along are you on uh, Distractable? Are you caught up? I mean, I haven't listened to all the back episodes, but yes, I am. Um, 
I think I'm caught up. I don't know if I've listened to this week's episode, but otherwise, yeah. So, you know, it, and this is him with Bob and Wade. And, but again, creatively, I, I like the premise of the show to begin with. But the episode from a few weeks ago with Wade's secret words. Oh, yeah. Where he was like, there were just certain words and he was going to make them keep talking until somebody said the word he was thinking of. And then uh, I just listened this morning. I think I, no, did I listen to the whole thing? Um, advice to the, the Bob pretending to be a child and oh, daddy, yeah. daddy Mark and daddy Wade having to, you know, talk, talk him through the different trials and tribulations of life. And I think, and yeah, this week's episode, I think was Mark set up like a, um, who wants, I don't know. It's who wants to be a millionaire, but like one of those game shows where you've got, yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't listened to that yet. Morals or no morals is what it says. I haven't listened oh, to that yeah. one yet. I'm a little behind. I did listen to that one. Yeah. But so I'm caught up. I, you know, they, obviously these three, you know, I, we, I've mentioned before how, you know, I imagine, you know, in a different world, that's you and GQ and I, or you and tall guy and I, and I don't know if we're that creative, but they seemingly, you know, their podcast is good and different and not like a pod, any other podcast I listen to. Um, you know, Markiplier has these great vid- videos and, you know, that in space was very good. I'm not sure what he's going to do next. He has some, I'm sure you're not watching him do power washing simulator. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, I am. Are you kidding me? I just power start- washing simulator is, is crack cocaine for me when I need to relax and just sort of veg yeah. out. And even better, if I don't have to play it, if I can just watch somebody else play it. Yeah, I started watching him the other day playing his latest episode where he's talking about in space and he's like, I can't go bigger. So, like, when when I think about what I'm doing next, it's going to be, it's going to have to be smaller because he essentially made, I don't know how many hours of content in space is, seven hours. He essentially made, you know, what could be considered a seven hour movie or series. Um, yeah, but it's enjoyable. I'm going to have to go back in and, uh, make sure I finish it. Cause I do want to see it through to the end. But, uh, what I also want to see through to the end is this podcast, which means we need to get to our emails, our emails, what, what our emails podcast at ddtwrestling.com. We have six last I checked, uh, the first one, which was sent a couple of days ago from Simon tour diaries one. Email for a sushi restaurant. Good morning from wherever we are. I'm on a tour of forests watching people play music, which I will then write about and turn into criminally undervalued content, largely ignored by the world. What Joss Whedon called cult popularity when it happened to Firefly. I'm here for Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. His former band did a song that popped the sales rating in America called Wonderwall. He dedicated it to the U.S. besties. Okay, he might not have done that. He may have said, this is dedicated to any Americans, but you're my Americans, so it counts. I have no idea where Canuck is, by the way, but I think it's near Birmingham. So there's a geography lesson for America. Birmingham is the Midlands because it's, well, the Middle Land. Some of this geography stuff is really simple. There are lots of trees here. There would be, since it's a forest. I've seen ten people in the crowd wearing bucket hats. 
That's one for DC to Google. That's true. I don't know what a bucket hat is. You know they, what a bucket hat is. I'm pretty sure I've seen you wear one. Is it like a newsboy cap? Is that what a bucket hat no, is? No, 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 no. I'm looking it up now. Sorry, Simon. We'll get to your email. Bucket hat. Why would I wear a hat like this? I think you have. I don't own one. I feel like you wore one back like. You're talking about my orange fuzzy hat? Yeah. Yep. Sun-kissed hat? I, just I guess threw that's that taller than I this. just threw that away. I found it buried in a closet in my classroom. And but but the is, brim is similar, at least yes, in my mind's I, eye. Yes. It's not quite, but okay. If you want to talk about the orange fuzzy pimp hat that I owned. <laughs> uh, Formerly then, owned. Then yes. Yes, yes. Uh, they are worn by usually 50-year-old men who regret the day the 90s ended. Britpop is dead, but these parka monkeys and bucket hat loons refuse to accept it. The support act was a bit crazy. Confidence man. Bit random, the drummer and the keyboard player were covered in black netting. You could only see their hands until close up. Hmm. The front two were really quite good looking, so maybe the other two hit every batch of the ugly tree. But they are really good at their instruments. Interesting gimmick. Everything is wrestling. Onwards, Simon. Look yeah. forward to the next uh, edition of the Tour Diaries. Next up, it's Glenn recasting. Hi, guys. If there was one film you could remake that already has not been done, what would it be and who would you cast in the lead role or roles? Thanks, as always. Glenn. So it can't have been remade. Yeah. Lonesome Dove. Has that been remade? Uh, technically, yes. Dang. <laughs> it was a miniseries, and then it was a TV show. Uh, no, that wasn't what I was thinking. Of. I immediately thought of Face Off. Okay. But I don't know who you would get. Oh, I know who I would get. top Travolta and Nicolas Cage. I know who Unless I would get. Unless you're doing Bruce Campbell? No. I would get John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Just make him switch parts. No. <laughs> Play the exact same damn parts. Let's Just 20 years later. Yes. I heard a rumor that they were looking at making a face-off too and were investigating whether or not they could get Nicolas Cage in it. I did not hear anything uh, about John Travolta, but... I will submit to you I would be down that uh, for a long time, I'd have to think about it now, but for, a, I don't really watch a whole lot of movies for a long time. My three favorite movies were Shawshank Redemption face off and get shorty, um, which is a rather interesting group. Uh, May 3rd screen rant face off Two update shared by Nicholas cage. Mm. That's such a great movie. I haven't uh, seen see. it since it came out, so I can't say whether it holds up, but it certainly lives in the meme part of my brain. He's been in talks with the producing team behind the sequel and believes his return for the new film is likely. There have been some phone calls who I enjoyed very much. He's one of the true great producers. And he'll uh, pay me. Yeah. I I'm pay. not. Nick Cage doesn't strike me as the most discerning uh, actor these days. He kind of just no. stars in 
anybody's movie who writes him a check that's large enough, as near as I can tell. But yeah. he's, I will say it's it's resulted in some very interesting movies. Um, I'm a big fan of Mandy from a few years ago. Um, excellent sort of surreal psychedelic horror film. Um, he was in another recent horror film along the same lines, The Color of Space, which was excellent. Um, I haven't seen Prisoners of a Ghostland. And unfortunately, I've heard some. It has uh, an unfortunate depiction of a a trans character, which I think is unfortunate. But I will say the filmmaker is. Um, I don't think that they are from from an English native country, so they may have some different ideas about what's mm-hmm. culturally acceptable. Um, but I won't defend it having not seen it at all. Um, and then there's there's a more recent film that came out more very recently called something like the I forget what it's called like the incredible burden of the unbearable weight of incredible talent. Or that's something it. Like the that. unbearable weight of incredible talent, uh, in which Nick Cage plays himself, and I, like the Nick Cage hole is is just you know, collapsing on itself. It's Nick Cage's all the way down, and I am here for it. I am here for it. Yeah. I remember seeing trailers for the movie Pig, which came out last year. Yeah. Where he's basically, it's basically taken, except instead of looking for his daughter, he's looking for a truffle hunting pig. So, And the weird thing about Pig is you think it's, it, it sounds like it's a revenge action film, but it is not. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would recommend it to people, but the premise of that film, I, I, I just, I wish they had made the film that I, th- that everybody thinks that film is. Yeah. But say lovely. Uh, yeah. I, I want Nick Cage kicking ass and make there. I want there to be so many porcine puns. More of a, weirdo character piece but yeah but alas take somebody down with a karate move and he's like that's what you get get my pork chop um otherwise you know yeah i'd love to see i i think every decade they should have remade face off with john travolta and nicholas cage as they got older and older and older um otherwise nothing you know They've read. See, this is a the thing. They've redone so many different movies, and when I think of it, I'm like, I think of these classic characters. Like, how many Dracula movies could we make? All right, all right. How here's one that I, has not been remade and would be controversial. Sure. Who would you cast in a remake of the Shawshank Redemption? Great question. Because um, I mean, Morgan Freeman is just so incredibly iconic. That voice, that role, yeah. uh, as Red, right, is his character name. Yeah, and then um, uh, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins is Andy Dufresne, right? Is Andy Dufresne? Like, I feel like it's very difficult to think of that movie without those two actors just embodying yeah. those characters in my mind. Even again, even down to not just the the visual, but down to the voices. Um, I think that would be very difficult roles to step into for any actors. Yeah, th- there are certain movies that it's like don't don't do it. Like you don't recast that movie. 
Yeah. Because even the, you know, the supporting characters, the warden, who mm-hmm. I don't remember his name, but he's a great character actor you've seen uh, before. Uh, the, you know, the captain, the prison captain, again, you, you know, this is so good. So dark, but so good. Uh, let's see. I want to like Google it just so I can get what other people are thinking. But let me think myself. Um, and you can't go jokey with that movie. You can't like, you need serious actors in that. Uh, like, I feel like, this? like for Andy Dufresne, you need a, you need to have a, a fresh faced person who, who, you know, you can't, you can't put Tom Hardy in that role because you believe Tom Hardy could be a murderer part of what no he has to be yeah that's what i'm saying like he has to look he has to have that innocence about him so who's because uh... even like you know your ryan goslings or things like like he's played you know do you do like a chris evans do you do captain america is that or is that too i don't think he's got the chops I could see a a, a, a Tom Riddlesworth. <laughs> I'm sorry, who? A Timothy Riddlesworth. Uh, okay, are you talking about Timothy Chalamet or Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, that's the one. No, which one? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about Loki. Tom Hiddleston. Um, if you're going the Marvel route, I could see well, him then, doing it more than Chris well, Evans. And, and so, okay, in in oh, you know, would be the terrible casting. Chris What's Pratt, that? come on, yeah, no, Chris Pratt. Well, so, so here's my question: it's it's 2022. Yeah, do you swap races? You could. Is Andy Dufresne now the African American character, and Red is? you know, an actual Irish. <laughs> like they say, why do you call him red? And he says, maybe it's because I'm Irish. Uh, you know, and, and so red is actually the Caucasian. You could even switch it around and it's their females. She catches her husband or wife uh, in bed with someone else and, you know, supposedly murders them. Um, you know, because what's his name? He's all the. I think he's playing Blade. Who is not Wesley Snipes? Johnny Depp. Uh, no, Ma, Mahershala Ali. I think would okay. be an interesting Andy Dufresne. Um, and then now I'm just typing in red-haired actors. Uh, oh, let's get the kid from uh, Harry Potter. Rupert Grint, let's get him. Okay. Now, in which case, what we need to do is the entire movie is just <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> no, but so so you get, okay, so this is what I do. You get Mah- Mahershala Ali as Andy Dufresne, and Michael Fassbender might be a little too young to play Red. He kind of needs to be older, but somebody like that. And you switch... Alexander Skarsgård. I don't know who that is. 
I mean, if you're um, going to go with the traditional um, casting of the roles, I could see like Idris Elba doing a good job as Red. Um, yes. I think he's got the dramatic chops for it. Simon Pegg, does he play Andy Dufresne? <laughs> I think he's a little too old for it now, but yeah, at one time, that could have been some choice well, how casting. Old, how old Martin Freeman was? He's how old, old too was now, Tim. So, I want to say Shawshank was 94. So, Tim Robbins was 36 when Shawshank comes out. And I understand he is playing probably a younger man at that point. Bob Gunton is the one. And Clancy Brown. What? Clancy Brown's in a horror movie, isn't he? Sure. Or am I wrong? Clancy Brown. Oh, maybe he was in Highlander. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Let's sure. see. Highlander. Pet Cemetery 2, which is not what I was thinking of, but he just looks like somebody who should be playing a like horror villain. He's huge. Oh, he was in 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Again, not what I'm thinking of. But... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, I think, you know, it, it would be it would be a terrible idea to redo Shawshank, but you could do it. And, you know, Frankie Muniz, <laughs> Haley Joel Osment sold. I'm just looking up actors who are 36 now. <laughs> Robert Pattinson, oh, Shia God, LaBeouf. No, because no, that would be who they'd get. They'd get Robert Pattinson, even though he was Batman and a vampire. Oh, All right, there we go. Uh, che chimes in. Changing tastes. Evening, chaps. What food did you love as a youngster but can't stomach now? Or alternatively, what food, drink, couldn't you stand as a kid that you have grown to like over the years? For me, it was the humble egg. Never ate them as a kid unless chocolate, but now consume a box a week. Anyway, hope you're both well. Che, sent from a cool shaded area of my balcony. Good to hear from you, Che. Glad you're in the shade. What is a humble egg? I think he's saying the egg itself is a humble ingredient. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was a UK thing. No. It's not like a scotch egg or anything like that. Oh, okay. Nothing fancy. Gotcha. What did I like as a kid? My tastes have always been... like I can think of food I couldn't stand, like mushrooms. Would not touch them as a kid. I didn't like seafood as a kid, but I love seafood now. Yeah. But the reverse is, yeah, it is difficult. What did I love as a kid that I don't like now? I, I had an inordinate love of ketchup. Like, I put ketchup on everything, and I am much more conservative about what I put ketchup on now. But I don't think, again, that's exactly yeah. the answer of the question. As a child, I invented a sandwich, the mayonnaise and mustard sandwich. And as the name suggests, it was just two pieces of white bread with nothing but mayonnaise yeah. and mustard on it. I, I had the ketchup and potato chip sandwich. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would eat that now, but. I, you know, I'm not opposed to a Pop-Tart now, but I craved chocolate Pop-Tarts as a kid. And I, you know, am not going out of my way to find Pop-Tarts these days. But again. 
not quite. I feel like you're on the right path, though. I feel like there was definitely something that I used to like that now I would say, oh, too sweet. That's too much. I'm having trouble thinking of what exactly that might be. I get be. a little nauseous at the idea of a gusher. And I used to eat gushers. Yeah, they sound all right to me still. I don't know. All of that stuff. Fruit by the foot, like fruit roll-ups. I'm like, it looks like plastic. It probably tastes like plastic. Delicious plastic. I mean, I would snort a pixie stick if you put it in front of me. So Right now? Absolutely. How, we gotta maybe that's our next tournament. It's childhood candy. Because I was gonna ask you, are you a ring pop person or a push pop person? But I feel like that needs to wait for a separate discussion. Okay. Right. Let me add to my notes here. I'm trying, yeah. All right. But yeah, that's a great question, Che. Um I'll have to think of that. If I think of something, there I'm sure there is a food that I ate as a kid but avoid now but most of it pretty much any and all vegetables i hated as a kid and now will eat so including the humble tomato i have learned that if i get just the seeds and the gross insides out i don't mind eating the outside of a tomato uh mrs manson a love letter good evening gentlemen oh this is cute I'd just like to wish the incomparable Doc Manson a happy ninth wedding anniversary today. You're recording on your anniversary? Well, some things in life have to take precedence, DC. Wow. Wow. Doc, I love you. Thanks for making me Mrs. M. Cheers to many more years of health and happiness and tush grabbing together. How often do you grab her tush? Almost every time I walk by. How often does she grab your tush? Whenever she gets irritated that I have grabbed her tush. (laughs) Fair enough. Yep. Okay. Good old lecherous hubs. DC, I almost kept it all above board for you. Sorry about the tush grabbing. I'll save the after dark content for later with a doc. Love to you both. Mrs. Manson. Did you have an anniversary dinner or is it just. Not really. Um, we had uh, tikka masala for, for dinner, um, and then that cake I was eating is sort of a homemade um, recreation of our cake. wedding cake, sort of. Cute. Yeah. Do you have plans for later? Not really. I've got slides to make and a lecture to get ready for. So I meant, I meant much later. Do you have plans? for? No. When the lights go out? Not really. You're saying after three hours of making slides for a college lecture, you don't come out rip raring to go? Not really. Man. Remember when we were young and supposedly that was all we could think of? Because we didn't have to worry about bills or mowing the lawn or work or anything like that. Yeah, I miss those days. What are you snorting over there? Cinnamon bark essential oil. Ooh. Are you feeling stressed or? No, I just saw it sitting there on my desk and I said, huh, that's been there a while. I wonder if it still smells good. And? Yeah, it smells all right. All right. Uh, Rachel chimes in. Summer. Happy summer, DC. Not to you, though. No, not to me. You all know (laughs) I teach the littles, too. And my word, do we need this summer vacation more than ever. 
I hope you have a lot of fun plans and are able to recharge for another fun year. I made the decision back in October to do summer school, so the littles who require it per their special educational needs will be coming to me. I sort of regret it, but at the same time, it allows me time in my classroom to prepare for next year so I can stay home later through August. That's all I got for today, Rochelle. I did summer school a couple of years, saving for a wedding, paying off a car, paying off uh, college loans, and I couldn't do it anymore. And it's only, you know, maybe three days a week for like four hours a day. Nope. I need a break. Monday, hopefully around one. I will be done and I will calculate how many hours until I have to go back to work. Uh, I I need that. I need that gap. I got the email from my, from the other campus where I teach today that just confirming that you're planning to come back for the fall. And I haven't responded yet. Like I'm gonna, are you, of course, are you though? But like, I just, I have, there's this part of me that's like, why, why are you doing this to yourself? I am slightly concerned that you will burn yourself out. And with your, you know, with the health episode of a few weeks ago, um, you know, I do wonder if it, you might want to scale back on something and that would be the obvious thing to scale back on since it requires a whole extra bit of travel and doing something else. But Having said that, you do you, and I love you anyway. Yeah, it's just money is money. I, I like money. And when I do that, they give me more of it. Sure. Which is good for me. Mm-hmm. So. You, you've got to calculate what your time and stress level is worth. And. You know, we're having that conversation in our household. Um, what is what is our time and stress level worth? And at what point is it no longer worth the time and stress level to continue doing whatever it is you're doing? And when is it time to scale back? So, yeah, uh, maybe, you know, we're getting into some serious conversations here, which usually means it's time for a Nate email. And I mean that in the best possible way. Nate asks a lot of great real life questions and we can offer our quote unquote wisdom 615 email good evening gentlemen the other day i wasn't feeling well so i spent more or less all day on letterboxd rating movies and looking at others reviews i saw a few interesting ones from doc which leads to my two questions this week what exactly is it about carrie and gremlins that made you rate it so high doc Maybe I'm too young, but neither kept my interest or even entertained me, honestly. I can go to the bathroom now. Do we as a society hold media that give us nostalgia in too high of a regard? I hope you both have a super week. Your bestie Nate, sent from my heart. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing with nostalgia, right? Preying upon good feelings that you once had uh, to turn a quick buck. So, yeah, nostalgia is... Is a is a beast of a thing. Uh, that said, I, I I think Carrie and Gremlins are legitimately good movies. Um, I will say, Nate, you've written in before. Uh, I don't remember. 
I don't remember what your thoughts were on Hereditary, but if I remember, you did not care for Midsummer, and, and so and again, there's no shame in this or anything. I just I I don't think that what I would classically call a slow burn movie is, is something that your interest is, that's something that holds your interest, right? And that's okay. And I don't know that either of these necessarily fall into that category exactly. But I think Carrie, to some extent, um, is something of a slower-paced film. Uh, it and it's just it has these real-life sort of elements with the way that the mother is super religious and and holding those thoughts over her her very mousy daughter. It, it, it's just it's and she's being bullied, and there's this awful negative atmosphere that's just building and building and building and the thing about that story is it's not very long i don't know how long the movie is my guess is it's only like an hour and a half if you read the original stephen king novel it it, again you think stephen king you think novels but carrie is short it's practically a novella It, it is a very concise to the point it builds it builds and builds to a single crescendo a breaking point where all hell breaks loose and like all hell breaks loose and, yeah. and, 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 and the most sort of raw, visceral, immediate way possible in, in that sort of teenage fever dream of, boy, I wish I could get revenge on those people that bullied me sort of way. And I just think it's it's a remarkably efficient film at what it does. While, again, also um, building on some pretty heavy themes of bullying and, you know, I I don't know if this is really the right term, but I'm going to say religious oppression, Um, not oppression of religious people, but oppression by a religious person. Right. Um, And, you know, having that mousy protagonist at the center of it all who can't stand up for herself until she does so exploding violently towards the end sure and you know i think it's a very iconic imagery i think that picture of of carrie in her uh prom dress covered in blood is an iconic image from the genre and one of the other things that that film is also well known for historically is it's one of the first films i'm not sure what year carrie came out i want to say it was late 70s but um maybe it was the 80s uh, 1976. It's one of the first films that really has an iconic um, jump scare ending. I think people think of that as being popularized by something like Friday the 13th from 1980. But the, there's there's a final stinger in Carrie. One last gotcha moment right as the credits are rolling that was not super common before then. And, and you got, and it was it, it established a trope I think that then you went on to see in many, many genre movies moving forward. So there's actually also a lot of sort of historical value, I think, in the original Carrie as well. And not to mention, you've got John Travolta, a very young John Travolta. I'm not sure if it's his screen debut or not, but man, he plays a hell of a douchebag in that movie. And, you know, again, seeing somebody who would go on to really be sort of a master actor in some ways. I know it's weird to think of John Travolta that way now. In some ways, he's a meme. But, you know, he would go on to do many great films saturday night fever and the like you know these slices battlefield of life. earth yeah i don't feel earth that's going but so i, I don't know i think there's a lot wrapped up in 1976's carrie um to love i will say i i think i probably love the book uh more than the movie 
Um, but also Brian sure. De Palma, you know, directing that original film, um, another sort of icon, um, a screenplay adapted by uh, Larry Cohen, uh, another iconic person from the horror genre. So like, there's just, there's a lot of, maybe that's nostalgia talking, but I just feel like there's a lot of good wrapped up in there overall. And Gremlins is just fun. Gremlins, the thing with Gremlins is, um, it's it's a black comedy, and it's actually in a lot of ways a parody of the horror genre. Um, Joe Dante s- sought to make a film that, while yes, it's a horror movie, also pokes fun at itself. Um, and, and like no place is that I think clearer than like when Kate's character gives her monologue about her terrible Christmas experience as a child. Um, it just goes on and on. The camera's just hanging on her and she's talking about being a kid and her father went out on Christmas Eve and never came home and abandoned the family. And then they started noticing a smell in the house and the fire department came. They started knocking down the chimney and then they found her father dressed in a Santa Claus suit rotting. And, and it just goes on and on. It's this ridiculous over the top story that she's telling straight faced and with complete emotional sincerity. And you don't like as an audience member, I especially when I was younger, I remember being very confused by that scene. And in fact, I think Joe Dante had to argue with producer Steven Spielberg to keep it in the film. Um, but ultimately he was allowed to. And and I don't know, like there's just it's wild to think that somebody who like Joe Dante took this film that could have been that this the stepping point for a grand thing, and he used it to poke fun at the genre and itself. And it's again, it's not exactly a parody. Gremlins 2, the new batch, definitely steps over the line to being more comedic, very much being an overt parody. It even parodies that Kate monologue moment um, from the first film and the second film. She starts talking about again some sort of tragedy i don't remember it's labor day or memorial day or something she starts giving this monologue and you know the camera's coming in on her face the same way and just like immediately billy steps in it's like we don't we 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 don't we don't have time for and just like sort of pushes her off camera and and again just a little nod to that first film Uh, i love the second gremlins it's a great comedy film through and through but yeah that first one i think is a great black comedy and it's a great premise i think you know, this little furry thing that becomes this ugly, disgusting thing. The three rules, the three rules that don't even really make sense if you apply to any logic to them. But again, sort of poking fun at the rules of horror movies. Like, do any of these things actually make sense at any level? But again, not doing it in an overt way, in a way that still plays as a horror movie. I don't know, man. I I think there's a lot to like there. It's really well done, really clever. The creature effects are really fun. Um, don't get me wrong. They're not necessarily the best by today's standards. A lot of them look like puppets and all that, but, um, it's, it's fun and it revels in the physical practical effects. So yeah, I don't know, man. I love that movie quite, quite a bit. I I don't think it's, you know, some masterpiece of pure horror per se. Um, but the horror scenes that are there, I'm thinking about like the sequence with the, um, science teacher in the classroom or, um, the cocoons up in the attic or the mother um, fighting the gremlins uh, through the house and the kitchen and stuff like that. Like some of it's like real gross out horror. And it, I don't know, man, I think it earns its chops as a horror movie, despite also um, poking fun at a lot of the, the genre. So 
I don't know. I, I, that is why I rate I rate those two movies so highly. I, I think they are excellent classic examples. Is it nostalgia talking? Eh, hmm, maybe, but uh, I don't know. I think that's okay sometimes. I think there's a lot of merit to those two in particular. I, I don't think that those are pure nostalgia. I think, but I I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to know if if uh, a teenager today could find any enjoyment in either of those films. Carrie obviously I think is a slow film that's been remade several times. And none of the remakes hit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I could see that, though. I don't think a teenager would necessarily like Carrie. I don't know that it's aged very well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, DC, it's that time of the show. What's your piece of positive? It is. Oh, goodness. Uh, you're springing it on me. You're bringing it up. My goodness. Uh, let me think here. Well, uh, I mentioned to you that I uh, had a meeting. You know, sometimes on Wednesdays I have a meeting. This one was a little bit different. So uh, without going into too much detail, uh, there had come a time um, years back, close to a decade ago at this point, where Things had been rearranged in a contract negotiation, and people around my age with around my level of experience uh, got uh, financially screwed. We got kind of a group of us all around the same experience level all got lumped together in one big group. Uh, and we've stayed that way for a long time. So despite the fact that I have close to a decade and a half working uh in this job, especially in this school, uh, I am fairly low on, on the pay scale. And today, because so many of us have left um, to go to other districts and make a lot more money, and since it's difficult to get people to come to our district because they made low money, um, we got some things renegotiated. And if everything goes according to plan, I will not only jump a couple of steps on the the thing, but I should get a decent, decent to good uh, salary bump uh, next year. Hooray. So that was that was pretty nice because, as you said just a few minutes ago, uh, money is good. I like money a lot. Money is good, and if they are going to pay me uh, a decent amount more to continue doing this job, because I you know, probably should have been making this much the whole time. I'll happily let them. So that was pretty nice. So I will, I will go with that. You know, I, that to me was, was pretty nice knowing that, you know, cause there I've, I've had thoughts. Should I go elsewhere where I could make 15 to $20,000 more a year working in a district? I probably wouldn't like as much, but now I'll be making a decent amount more, nowhere near fifteen or twenty thousand, but a decent amount more uh, in a district that I like enough. So more I'm money to do the that. same job—that's always a good deal. That's exactly it, Doc. What about you? Piece of positivity getting you through the week. Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously today is my wedding anniversary. Yes, indeed. Nine years—that's at the forefront of my mind. Um. You know, Mrs. Manson is wonderful in all the many different ways. So there's there's clearly that. Um, other things weighing on my mind, um, not necessarily 
purely piece of positivity. My father uh, had open heart surgery yesterday. Oh, goodness. So they removed the pericardium from around the heart, and they also did a double bypass. Um, but he did well, at, at least as far as I know as of now, um, in the ICU recuperating. So, I mean, that's another thing, I think, to be um, positive for at this point in time this week. Um, you know, nobody wants to have that kind of surgery, but it's always best to have it underneath, um, you know, the best of circumstances. And I, I sure. think that's probably the situation that we were looking at here. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that all works out well long term. We'll see. I I agree. I'm glad to hear that. I'm super excited. Happy anniversary to you and your wife. Uh, thank her for us for letting you spend a bit of your time uh, here in the bosom of your other loving fam- family with your other uh, loving spouse. Um, and I'm glad to hear things are going well with, uh, as well as can be expected with your dad. So what a way to end. Uh, crazy whirlwind episode here i look forward to hearing your uh dream cast of shawshank redemption um or perhaps some other movies because i think you know between tom riddlesworth and timothy cornucopia we could probably cast quite a few films uh so i believe this is episode 323 of the ddt experience uh doc manson Anything else you'd like to say before we head out into that good night? If you'd like to have your thoughts read on the air, send us an email, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our entire back catalog of episodes by going to wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And of course, if you like what you've heard, and how could you? The nightmare continues at patreon.com forward slash wrestling. Head on over there. Give us a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It will help us keep the lights on and to keep this podcast train continuing along. Oh, man, we're not even chug a lug. <laughs> he is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Have yourselves a lovely week. We love each and every one of you. And until we meet again, my friends, won't you be a bestie?